This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. Well, good evening. This is our last one. Uh, these have been so good. Each one that I've not been here for, I've listened to on the podcast. It was just so handy, you know, driving down the road or something, and um, just got so much out of it. I'm glad we've done these. I hope we do a lot more of them in the future and get better at doing them, and hope I get better at doing them <laughs> if I do more of them. But um, I'd like to just start this evening. We're, if you've looked at the schedule, or I don't know how it's, I can't remember how it's been posted as far as the schedule goes, but tonight the question is, what is faith? And then a question that's associated with that for many of us would be to just think through clearly how exactly the saving faith, uh, faith in Christ, applies to Old Testament saints. Is it different than New Testament saints? How does that work? So that's kind of a question as well. But what is faith is the big question, and, um, and then we'll ask that other question at the end. I'd like to just read then kind of the text that we'll be focused on. It's, um, I better get started. It's, it's not short. So I want to read this, though, and, uh, and then I'll pray, and then we'll get started at looking at some things. So here is Hebrews 11. We'll, We'll read, actually, we'll start in Hebrews 10, uh, half, uh, verse 37. We'll start in 1037. So Hebrews 1037 says this. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are not of those who shrink back. And are destroyed, but of those who have faith and, and preserve their souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going, but by faith he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call, be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises when it was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. 
By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say, for time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these Though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray. God, would you just attend our exercise this evening, this mental exercise, um, to look into your word, to consider these two questions and, and to try to uh, grow in our understanding of the answers you would give for those questions. What is faith? And how are saints saved, Old and New Testament alike? Would you attend this and would, we, would you even provide um, faithfulness in us, a, a faith that we would be trusting in you, clinging to you, leaning on you as we as we consider these questions and, and grow in our knowledge and understanding of you. And we ask your blessing in Christ's name. Amen. So I would just uh, maybe share something here at the beginning that uh, I don't talk to groups like this very often, but when I have a few times over the course of the years, I seem to always want to do something that's not particularly helpful. I've, this may be reflected on this this past week. I, I like to, have you ever heard, have seen a movie and the, the critic will call it a slow burn? That movie's a slow burn. <laughs> like you gotta wait till the end to know what's going on or to let, you know, getting momentum. Uh, or uh, maybe you could think of it as foreshadowing. When I talk to groups, I always seem to want to wait to the end to really say what I'm gonna say. Recently, we had an elders retreat, and that was the biggest criticism. We criticized each, each other for all morning at this elder retreat, just told each other what we do wrong. And all the other guys said, you know, the biggest thing, Shane, is you, you always go on and on before you really make your point. Just make your point earlier would be great. So I want to make the point at the beginning here of kind of what we're doing. And uh, um, I had this structured differently, and I thought that is not helpful. So, <laughs> so a clarity over whatever I do is probably better. So um, the clarity, I hope this will help. In order to answer this question, like everything we do on these evenings, we could spend a semester, years on each of these things. But 
in the space of this evening, we're going to do two things primarily. They're pretty simple. Just going to do some word studies um, quickly of the words translated as into English as faith in our Bibles. And we're going to do a little bit of a Bible study through uh, Hebrews 11. And a kind of a simple approach tonight, you know. Um, bread and butter for most of us students of the Bible. Uh, and so that's the idea. Then at the end, we'll consult some, some commentators, uh, some thinkers maybe, to answer the question. But in the, in the hopes that, that I'm doing what I said I wanted to do for clarity's sake, I want to write, oh, where did I put it? I want to write uh, what I would say after studying the subject is a definition of faith. So what is faith? Okay, this is what I say. Okay? It's knowing. That's kind of essential. We'll see. The truth. Okay? With confidence. Plus having confidence in, and I think I chose the right pronoun, I'm not sure, could be him, but I think it's he, and he who makes the truth known. Okay? Knowing the truth with confidence, both of those things, knowing, uh, and with confidence, and having confidence in he who makes the truth known. Okay, I'm not done. Which expresses, okay, so faith we'll see as we look through, as both as we do the, the, the word studies and the Bible study, we'll see that faith is an instrumental thing. It, it's, it has a purpose. That's essential to its definition. So, which expresses in commitment to him being he who makes the truth known, plus the conviction to obey his commands. So, there, you have my answer, short and sweet. But let's, uh, let's see, and I want it up there so you could maybe pick it apart, um, and as we go through some of these concepts, uh, maybe it'll become obvious why, why I would write it that way. So, uh, Word studies. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, really just looking up references and, uh, and getting a, an impression almost. Like y you could go to concordance and look at the numbers of times the word uh, appears in the Hebrew and Greek. And, but I don't know, you have to do the long work of going through each one and, and getting a, an impression of... of uh, uh, their use and how often they occur and things like that. But let's start in the Old Testament. We're answering that question about Old Testament saints. And I want to start um, just by maybe a couple sentences here explaining a little bit of the difference between the use of the word faith in the New Testament and the Old. So the Old Testament, if you did what I did, you looked up practically every reference, you would find that um, there's more variety. Uh, uh, the words translated as faith or trust or belief in the Old Testament, there's, a, there's just a more varied source material of Hebrew words that would be rendered that way. And, um, and you'll see a little bit of why. So the first word we're going to look at is 
You guys familiar with Strong's Concordance? Who, who uses it or is familiar with it? Okay. So I don't know if this is helpful for everybody or, or not. Uh, but the first word we're looking at, it's a Hebrew word, and I'm not going to write it in Hebrew. <laughs> but I'm going to write this Strong's reference, okay? So Strong starts with H, meaning Hebrew, and it's the 539th word in Strong's Accord. So, uh, and the word, I'll just write it in an approximation in English, okay? Is Amon. Amon, okay? So the idea here, just quickly, is all of these Hebrew words, there's nuance to them, and you see why this would be rendered as faith or belief or trust. Um, Amon invokes the idea of, this is great, a parent who is holding an infant, okay? Um, the, uh, it also invokes an idea of leaning on something or propping yourself against something like a firm structure. And, and that essential nature of the, of the use of the word and its development becomes more of an abstraction to be used as trust or belief or confidence, okay? The best reference um, that I could think of to look at, and you can turn to it with me, is Genesis 15. And I tried to whittle down all these references so that we're looking at the most essential ones. And you'll see this is an essential reference. It goes to answer our question, both of our questions, by the end of the night. So uh, Genesis 15 and verse 6. Somebody can read that for me if they want to. I'll read. Yeah. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. So who's familiar with that statement? Um, it's probably more often read in the New Testament. We maybe read more of the New Testament. Uh, you will see it. You can write, write this down. Maybe I'll write it up here for reference. This would be good if you're taking notes. That way you can, can write a little more slowly. But So we read Genesis 15, 6. And that's that. And we read about it in Hebrews 11. This is, this is Abraham trusting God and through that faith, God counting, crediting it to him as righteousness. And but this is quoted in the New Testament. Handwriting's bad, sorry. Um, in Romans and in Galatians and in James. And I'd love to look at those, but we're gonna keep moving on. So that's Amon. And you remember, it's, it's, it just has this sense of strength, of security, of firmness, of something that you can count on. I sit in that chair, and I've, that's the idea. You know, people use that illustration of faith, like, well, you sit in a chair, you trust that it's going to hold you up. And that's essentially this word, Amon. Um, and it also that kind of delightful picture of a parent holding um, a child. Um, which I will oh, go ahead and write that one. That's also, that's Psalm 31, you can see, uh, 31, 24. A little more evocative of a parent holding a child. So the next word, Strong's Hebrew 982. Questions about Amman, anything? I want to make sure there's room for questions, and if I go to the end, it could get pushed off. And this is, again, just a rough English equivalent. Batak. Batak. So this is a little more active. The, the uh, word aman is, is kind of you, you are resting in a confidence, right? Now, here's a different kind of confidence. This is, uh, batak is essentially the idea that you're fleeing, you're running, um, and even throwing yourself onto, okay? 
so not so much resting in, but throwing yourself onto, for safety, um, a refuge, like a stronghold, okay? This, this one, uh, I heard, I did read some uh, academics say that, and I, I didn't have enough time to follow, see if this was legitimate or not, uh, that originally, just like we talked about that cradling an infant, this was something that developed out of a term used for wrestling, where you take your opponent and you body slam your opponent. It, I like the, how you know evocative that is of action and everything. Um, it's worth it's worth uh, following up on, and to see how how accurate that is. But whether that's true or not, it, it is certainly true and agreed upon that this is the idea of that you're throwing yourself into a safe place, running to it, throwing yourself in it. So that's Batak. Here's a reference, Psalm 62, 8. Psalm 62, 8, I'll raise up here, somebody can, can read it. Psalm 62, 8. Don't you love word studies? <clears throat> Not many people do. <laughs> Hard work. Psalm 62 8. Go ahead, anybody. Psalm 62 8. Yeah. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. God is a refuge. He's a fortress. We sang this morning. Mighty fortresses are God. That's the idea. Okay? Batak. Uh, then there's the next word, H2620. And this is Kasa. Kasa, this is somewhat similar. It is still the idea of, of fleeing, okay? Uh, that's essential. But it's more the idea that you're fleeing from something, so fleeing from danger. Um, it's still, you're fleeing to a place. You, you, the idea of like, I'm going to where there's protection, but the essential nature of this word is that you're, you're getting out of danger is the idea. So it's a little more focused on the danger, but Psalm 18.2, we could look at that. Psalm 18.2. is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So uh, you could see the similarity with Batak. All right, we have like three more Hebrew words. Good news is there's really only one Greek word. So when we get there, not as bad. So uh, next Hebrew word. Thirty-one, seventy-six, or did I transpose? Yeah, and it's pronounced Yechal. Yechal. This is totally different. It's still a word that you could see um, translated as trust in English, okay, or hope even. Uh, but it's, it's a much different word. It's this idea of waiting. Okay, um, patient waiting, probably during pain. That's the idea of this word. And guess where we're going to go to look at a reference? Literally, guess. Old Testament, pain. Job. Somebody said it. <laughs> Dead giveaway. So Job 13, 15. Somebody can read that. 1315. Now imagine me looking at about 150-ish references every time I look. No, something like that. Job 1315. 
anybody. If he kills me, I will hope for him. I will still defend my ways before him. So there it's translated hope, right? And, uh, you know, a Hebrew uh, reader would have read hope, or, I mean, they would have read uh, Yachal, and they would have thought hope, trust, waiting. They would have thought, this is how I wait on the Lord, you know, even though he slay me. So, 1815. I, as I was studying this, I, I, this was delightful. I mean... You know, I'm reading Hebrews 11, and, and it just changed the way I'm praying. It changed the way I'm reading the chapter. It changed the way, you know, I'm facing uh, adversities and things in life. It, it, it was really delightful. Okay, next word. Two more. H6960. <coughs> and the word is kavah with Q. This is also to wait, um, but it's not so much like this idea of pain. It's to wait expectantly. So this is a very, it's, a, it's more commonly translated with the idea of hope because you're, you're looking forward to something. You're waiting. You're being patient, basically, because you see something good as opposed to I'm being patient because I'm experiencing something bad. Okay? I'm really simplifying these, but that's the idea. So it's even, again, here's another interesting uh, thing is that probably this word kind of became an abstraction like that, but evolved out of uh, real tangible use. And uh, it had something to do with weaving rope. And so it's like you're, you're hanging on, <laughs> you know, is a lot of the commentators looked at it that way. Psalm 25.5 would be a great one. 25.5. And Job 17, 15. Oh, 13. Let's read the Job one because we're in Job. 17, 13. For the grave as my house, if I make my bed in the darkness. So that's a little hard to apply without reading the full context. Um, you know, this is Job asking where is his hope, and he's exploring uh, that idea. But it is <laughs> in Job's condition. Job's condition. Maybe he was longing for something like that. You know, so. Uh, that's Job 17:13. Let's look at one more word, and this is. Uh, there are a few other Hebrew words, maybe that we could have included in this, this list, but they're less common and less essential, maybe. So this one is uh, very common. Oh, H30, <coughs> and. Uh, I have trouble pronouncing this one. Emunah, I think is how it would be said. Emunah. Um, this is a, it's so often used as an adjective. So faithful or faithfulness as a noun that describes a characteristic of somebody. Often used of God, but also used of Moses, David, um, so uh, the really key uh, reference for this one is Habakkuk 2.4, and you'll see why it's key if you don't know already. Somebody read Habakkuk 2.4. So this... Um, as you're looking for Habakkuk 2.4, 
this word, and you'll see it here in this reference, it is, it is, it, it developed this meaning specifically in relation to God, um, a faithfulness to God, uh, uh, to be faithful to God is contrasted with pride and self-reliance. And that's typically the, the sense of it when it's referred to a person. But with God, it's a devotion, you know, to uh, his word, to his people. Go ahead and read Habakkuk 2 for somebody. Look, his ego is inflated. He is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by his faith. And you will see this quoted in Romans right at the beginning. So Hebrew words for faith, what would you say you've learned in a quick, down and dirty word study? Did that surprise you at all? Comments? I mean, I would say um, that it was a surprising to me, I suppose, just to see the tangibility of these ideas how they developed out of uh, things that I could really, oh, okay, I can really understand the instrumentality of that or the, the tangible nature of it. You know, you're holding this and you're waiting. And, and, uh, and so that's helping me see that definition, what is faith, and especially seeing it develop out of the Old Testament that way. So New Testament, I was going to include El Peace, which is, hope, but I think we'll skip it for time's sake, um, which is, at least in one case, it can be translated as faith that I found, but it's usually translated hope, and it's a little bit different concept. Um, maybe we'll mention it when we're in Hebrews 11.1, 1, but um, pistis is the Greek word, and it's kind of the only one, so thankfully. Uh, if you're in Strong's and you're in the 4100s, there's various, you know, there's the verb and then there's the adjective and then there's the noun and so, uh, but, but they all, it's all uh, essentially develops from this word, pistis. So the, um, the use of this word is, sub, it is substantial. Um, King James Version, which is Strong's concordance is based on that. Uh, something like 500 or more references. Um, it's often translated as belief. If you see belief, you could check your concordance and see if it's this word, okay? Often translated as belief, not always translated as faith, but it's the same Greek word. Um, and it's not so much a description. Hopefully we're going to talk about this in a couple minutes in what is the nature of faith, it's not so much what happens in your head and how dramatically you feel like you're, uh, I don't know, how, how hard you're believing something or something. It's not about mental ideas as much as it is about trust in someone or something. So in that case, it's similar to that Old Testament uh, development of the word. So um, it, it usually assumes or explicitly includes an idea of persuasion, like you've been persuaded to believe something. And it does have, it certainly has an uh, aspect of confidence and assurance. There are examples of the negation of this word in the Bible, and that is, it means to break confidence. So you, it's unfaithfulness, you know. It's extremely relational, I would say. This is my own wording, but I would say it seemed, the sense that I got about it was how it's used again and again. It's just extremely relational. This isn't a kind of a cold logic. It's, uh, it kind of goes both ways, and, and you see that because it's so often part of an adjective or, or a noun characterizing uh, somebody. So faithfulness or to be faith, uh, someone is faithful. So that's our word study. What was that last word again? This was... Did I? I didn't write it, did I? Get all excited. Pistis? Pistis. 
It's the main word. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Uh, I won't. I won't use a. I won't mention a reference because it's all over. But I will read this from Vines. Who's familiar with Vines? Yeah, a little more, a little, a few, a few more of you with Vines. So here's from Vines. The main elements in faith is its relation to the invisible God. Looks like I got something right. As distinct from faith in man. Um, I'm sorry, the main, el- the main elements in faith and its relation to the invisible God as distinct from man, uh, or from faith in man, are essentially brought out in the use of this noun, pistis, and the corresponding verb, pisteo. They are three. Uh, one would be conviction, okay, or confidence. would be fine. The idea of personal surrender. (laughs) Okay. Are you starting to see some of this in my attempt? You guys could probably do a better job, but you can see why I worded certain things that way. And then um, conduct. Has the element of the resulting conduct. Vine says the conduct inspired by such surrender. I'll give you some uh, references because they're good. Second Thessalonians two eleven and following, and then uh, second. Uh, John one twelve. Just you can take note of these and uh, look them up. But Second Corinthians five seven. So how are we doing on time? So I think we need to move on. There's so much more to talk about this. Uh, Just real quickly, just to mention, um, if you do some word study on faith, you will find, in addition to the the definitions of the word and how they're used in specific contexts and getting a feel for um, just a more robust idea of what faith means out of all that, you'll also see as kind of a statistical or, or an, an analytical, you see where it's used. And that's interesting. Like, Paul uses it way more, this word. Um, it's not even found in the Gospel of John. The word's not even there. This is just really interesting stuff, you know. And it, it kind of has some meaning. So, anyway, but too much for tonight to go into that, I would say. Questions so far? Okay. Yes. An observation. I saw this a few days ago. Faith is used as a noun 243 times in the New Testament. Faith is used as a verb 243 times in the New Testament. What does this tell us? It tells us that faith is equally about what we believe and what we do with what we believe. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And that that's that's the sense you get just wading through all the references for sure. You you just get, oh, faith is so much about doing. Um, but this, but tonight's not faith versus works or something like that. So, <laughs> so a, a a Bible study. I, I just I thought of my wife Sarah, who happens I didn't know she was going to be here because this might embarrass her. But thought of Sarah and just our different approaches to um, trying to grow in holiness and be Christ-like and. Just growing our understanding and stuff. So I have what I, I wrote. I have a sprinty, crazy, obsessive, compulsive approach to holiness. So I'll get, like, I couldn't stop looking up those references. It's just kind of what I do. 
Sarah, though, my wife, she is just diligence over time, every day. She just, and this kind of Bible study, um, then I just wanted to kind of put her shoes on and, and be Sarah for a little while and just let's look at Hebrews 11 and, and observe and apply, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so if you turn to Hebrews 11 again, which we read, and I'm glad we read it because I'm sure it's still kind of in your mind. Some of those <coughs> verses are still, are still kind of what you're thinking about. And I'm going to just go through this rather quick because I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on some of this and, and uh, see what your questions are. It seems like we could go different directions. I want to see what the questions of the room are. So, but as I went through Hebrews 11, here's what I ended up doing. I looked at each case study, which is pretty much every verse. There's some that are more than one case study in one verse, and then there's some that take more than one verse to do one case study. But first I went through, um, I'll just read some of this to you. So verse 2, you can look at that. And I'm answering, what is faith? Okay? And, and it, it seemed to me that to answer that, you really, the writer of Hebrews seems to spend this much time trying to define it ontologically or analytically or, you know, um, it's like he had a hammer and, and he spent a little bit of time trying to describe how a hammer is made or something. But then he just described what a hammer does. That's its definition, essentially. I think that's a good definition of a hammer, you know, that does this. So, um, it seems like that's what we get in Hebrews 11, and maybe that's essential to us understanding faith, especially in a practical way. So I, I said something as verse 2. People, um, what is faith? It's the thing by which people receive com commendation. And I thought about Genesis 15, and I also thought about uh, Psalm 51, where David uh, speaks of a similar thing as being accepted, um, God covering iniquity, and it's because of our trust in him. So verse 3, you can look at verse 3. Like, well, this is how I have a worldview, okay? You're familiar with 1 Corinthians 1 and, um, and 2 Corinthians 4, Romans 10, how uh, it's through faith that we even know what's true, okay? Um, in fact, Without faith, an unregenerate human is unable to know the truth of God. Okay? So people have a worldview. People act in precise obedience to God's commands, verse 4, but not without sincerity of heart. You see, verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And... I say people act in precise obedience to God's commands by faith. Cain, say he had his own ideas. <laughs> but not only that, when he was corrected, he was rebellious in heart. And so faith is precision in obedience, but also sincerity of heart in obedience. So that's the first thing I did. I really went through each of these. We don't have time, but I would like to read through. Um, I'm just going to read through these. I feel like Jake the other day, I heard, heard him, and he did an awesome job. And you could hear, he kept saying things like, oh, I'm sorry, I just have to go fast. But uh, it, it was great. He shouldn't apologize. But I'm going to read, and maybe this is, Good, because it'll give you kind of a shotgun blast of everything from Hebrews 11 that I think is instrumentally true about faith. This is what faith does or uh, what it results in or, or, you know, it's what the hammer does. So um, this is walking down through the whole chapter. 
So I say, always started with by faith in my mind. And then I said, people are justified, commended before God. People know what is true. People are given new and everlasting life. People please God. People live in fellowship with God. People have assurance of their salvation. People have the desire to obey God. People are means by which others are convicted towards repentance. People are a means by which others have no excuse, and God's justice will be celebrated. I thought of Mark Jackson sharing with me one day uh, just some of what he does at work and places, sharing the gospel with people. And he was just sharing with me. I, I don't know, I just kind of had Mark Jackson's soul winner kind of in my mind or something. He said, oh, that's not very often. You know, mostly people just tell me I'm a dummy and, <laughs> you know, and uh, they make fun of me. And so, but um, by faith, people are a means by which others have no excuse. You've told them the truth. And God's justice is, will one day be celebrated even in that. People are given the ability to see beyond their circumstances. People work and they do and they obey, but it's God working in them. People are comforted and confident. People see God acting directly in their lives. People live with purpose. People die with confidence. People become more faithful, more full of faith. People, by faith, you become more faithful. By faith, you become more full of faith. It's in the exercising of faith that that happens. You sit in your couch and wish for more faith. It's not, you know, you have to, it's a, it's a action, an active faith that grows. Uh, people benefit from the faith of others. People endure. They persevere. I thought about this. Here you see uh, kind of the author's intent in drawing attention, uh, drawing attention to how this audience must see faith as instrumental as they are persecuted. If you look at this huge section at, at the end, 32 uh, through 38, even the descriptions of victory, you see this? These great descriptions of armies in flight and winning wars and quenching the power of fire, escaping the edges of... But this is all because of persecution. Uh, so by faith, people endure and persevere in persecution. Sometimes you win in this world, and sometimes you don't. People appropriate the atoning death of Christ. If you came into this class tonight, that's kind of... That's where most of us... Uh, if you ask, what is faith? Probably our minds go to uh, saving faith in Christ. That's essentially what we think about. But look how all of these other things are all about sanctification. They're all about living in this world as strangers and aliens and um, hoping for that city that we read about. Um, so people appropriate the t atoning death of Christ to escape God's wrath. God's our worst enemy without Christ. And people may be spared in this world as well. There's examples of people being spared, coming back to life even. And people are made into a people. I thought about this morning and the, uh, the message from this morning that, that uh, you know, we are not individual Christians, you know, we're, we're a community of believers, we're people of God. People are made into a people of God. Let's look at that one just real quick. Verse 31, this is so good. Um, 31 and 32, or that's just 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Do you know that story? Rahab was not only spared from destruction, but became a member of 
the uh, people of God. She became uh, an, a member of the Jewish community. Did you know that in Matthew 1, she's listed as an ancestor of Christ? So by faith, people are made into a community. That's kind of, we have to, I, I feel like we should go on. Uh, um, I don't know, I'd love to share these notes with you. Maybe I can offer to them if you want these. Uh, it's just a Bible study going through each verse and comments. And, uh, but it was a delight. It was eye-opening to see, the, to get a feel for the balance here, um, to think about salvation and how it includes all of these um, day-in and day-out realities that require faith. And God saves us through all of that. We persevere. And also, we appropriate the atoning, atoning death of Christ so that we're no longer condemned. Okay, questions or comments? Shane, as a pastor, how do you shepherd people who are doubting their faith? Mm -hmm. Do you even say, do I have faith? Am I His, his great, his great, it's not an illustration, it's just an exposition of yeah. the Bible. He yeah. says, I mean, think of the, I don't know, he might use even names or something. You got me uh, emotional because I'm thinking about people who are struggling. And, and, um, but yeah, Carson, he says, which of these men was justified? And he's talking about Passover, right? Yeah. And so, well, they both put the blood on the door and the lintel. The doorpost and the lintel. So uh, one guy was shaking in his boots all night or whatever he says, and the other guy was slept like a baby. <laughs> and they were both justified. So um, it, it is a great, it is a great comfort to, to be wanting to understand the Bible on its own terms and see faith for what the Bible calls it and not what we might um, you know, just in our musings, uh, end up thinking about it as it is so uh, objective. It's so on God and and uh, not of us. I mean, um, it's part of that grace faith gift that God does. So that even uh, I think it was Luther that wrestled with. The idea of faith being just another work. I mean, if you think about it, um, it's not hard for people like me that like to sit around and read books and that feels like a lot of work. <laughs> you know, it's hard work to just sit and think. And so he got thinking, well, this is work as well. I have to believe, you know, and so he wrestled with that. But, um, but those who doubt, how do you help? Uh, I just, so from the heart, you can't assume that they have faith. And, yeah, so you, I even tonight, I wanted to make sure that whatever we do tonight was clear enough. Like, somebody here has not put their faith in Jesus, you know, and his atoning work on the cross on our behalf and God's acceptance of that uh, sacrifice by raising him from the dead. You know, uh, there's no tomorrow. I mean, you know, while it's still called today, you 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 have to you have to throw yourself on God, body slam yourself on God and and His mercy. You know, I mean, you got to rest in His uh, His stable and and uh, <coughs> capable arms and and uh, yeah, it it's worth asking. What are you waiting for? You know. Um, you don't even know what uh, what tomorrow will bring, or if there's a, if there's a tomorrow for you. So uh, you can't assume that they're 
that they're saved and they have faith. But also, um, I wish Mark was here. He's got such a rich story about struggling with doubt. Um, but you, uh, what was the question? What do you, how do you encourage people who say they're struggling with doubt? Um, bring your doubt to God. I remember a uh, message on uh, the disciples of John the Baptist who came. John the Baptist is in prison. He's going to get his head chopped off. And uh, this is the guy who, uh, who we read about Enoch here was so, apparently so full of faith and obedient to God that he didn't die physically. God just took him. And and yet, Jesus says, there's no man born of woman, how does he say, um, greater than John. And John apparently sends his disciples or didn't teach him well enough. I don't know. But they end up, I think he sends them, and they come to Jesus. Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? And you, as a reader, you're like, really? These are John the Baptist's disciples. But the point is that uh, you bring your doubts to Jesus. <laughs> that was the point of the message. You bring your doubts to Jesus. So how do you encourage someone? You, you plead with them to um, not wrestle with those doubts aside from prayer or aside from the Word of God or aside from uh, devotion to God and His people. I mean, you put yourself in a place where faith will grow and where doubt doesn't grow uh, similarly. So that's what I would say. I'm wordy tonight. Somebody told me years ago, um, along that same line of the questioning of, you know, I just can't see God. I just, I just can't see God. And you hear that long, that same question. Somebody told me long ago that if somebody tells you that, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And even Mary at the tomb didn't know who Jesus was until she heard his voice. And so mm -hmm. the advice that I got when I asked that question, they said, shut off the sound and start listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you want to hear God speak, God, we just, well, just read this out loud. So, then God speaks. That's John Piper, I think. This is it. And I think Jake said it recently, too. I want to read just a couple quotes um, because we've talked about faith. We haven't really talked about how saints in the Old Testament were saved. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the very quick answer, the same way we're saved today. <laughs> That's the answer. Um, you'll, you could search written commentaries, you could look at YouTube videos all night long, and uh, that's what you're going to hear from uh, Bible-believing saved uh, theologians, is that it's the same. But the content of their faith, that's a common phrase. I want to read I want to read this. So this is, oh, okay, so here's a quote. Since the fall of man, the basis of salvation has always been the death of Christ. No one, either prior to the cross or since the cross, would ever be saved without the one pivotal event in the history of the world. Christ's death paid the penalty for sins of Old Testament saints and future sins of New Testament saints. The requirement for salvation has always been faith. The object for salvation has always been God. But what has changed through the ages is the content of faith. And that's a common way that you'll hear uh, theologians try to distinguish the Old Testament and New Testament paradigms. Content of faith. Well, what do they mean? Um, because some people can use that in particular you know, um, referring to something else. But what they mean is that the Bible illustrates for us a, a progressive revelation of God's special revelation about himself and his redemptive plan and his son um, to us from beginning to end. And if you're a new Christian, you would receive progressive revelation if you start at the beginning and, and go through. And... Um, so the content, uh, yeah, Abraham had no concept of Nazareth 
there being a Jesus Nazareth, Nazareth. I mean, you know, uh, I've heard uh, a lot of people say, and I, oh, what did I see in here? Um, it was talking about Moses. Somebody find that for me. 23. Mm -hmm. 26. So, 26. Moses, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. So, I mean, that answers a lot right there. Same way. And, um, but did Moses have as clear a concept as us? No, he didn't. But a lot of people say, uh, I bet we'd be surprised how much the Old Testament saints understood about the Messiah. So, fair enough. Um, oh, one more, maybe we have one more quote. Yeah, this is from Paul Washer. You may listen to him. Uh, Here is what I do know. Men have always been saved by believing what God has told them. That's essential. So God's revelation, that's why I I don't know if I did this before or after I watched that, but um, having confidence in he who makes the truth known is essential. So this is special revelation. This is revealed knowledge. Men have always been saved by believing what God has told them by believing the revelation they have received, by believing the testimony that God has given them. And in these last days, God has spoken through his son. He quotes Hebrews 1. So, all right. The time is actually up. Would you guys suffer me for one more minute? Um, I just want to interact with this definition. So, Hebrews, I would argue, gives a definition like a philosophical almost uh, definition of faith and and it's very helpful and then it illustrates it and that's maybe even more helpful but I've heard many people distinguish faith from hope in verse 1 of chapter 11 so I just wanted to share that in weeks of doing word studies reading commentaries I do not see a difference in the Bible, but biblical idea of faith and hope. There's no difference in how sure one is compared to the other, okay? Hope is not less sure than faith, okay? Um, It is simply that hope is something that's out ahead of you, specifically. And maybe hope... uh, is an aspect of faith or, or proceeds from faith or something like that, but it's not somehow less sure than faith. And I think that's even something that has muddied the waters with faith itself. Uh, if you see popular media or something like that, they probably characterize faith as hope, like not substantive hope, just hoping kind of wishing, you know, um, and that that's faith. But that's not what we see here. I mean, this is evidence-based faith. It's instrumental. Um, it's lived out uh, day in and day out. So I think that's essential to faith, and it's part of why I would say uh, it uh, expresses in a commitment to God and the conviction to obey his commands. Any last words? from anybody. I think a good definition of hope is a confident expectation. I think what you brought out about being future face kind of yes. back here and you're looking forward with a confident, not a wishful wishful type thing. I mean, you yes. can think of hope, but it's confident expectation. That's perfect. That's confident. That's why scripture talks about the blessed hope, mm-hmm. the return of Christ, the blessed hope. We're not hoping he comes back. Yeah. We're confidently expecting him to come back. Yeah. Well, you, my hope is God. You know, is uh, that's a confidence, and uh, but it, it is a future, looking to the fulfillment of all of Because if we already promises. had it, uh, I forget where it's at in scripture. If we already had it, we wouldn't be hope anymore. Where is that? Right. I can't remember that. Where they, the thing is in Romans, but I'm not sure. Right. 
I'll stick around if anybody wants to keep wants to keep talking. I've got pages of notes I can reference. And, <laughs> you know, it's always like that. So, boy, what a delightful thing to talk about, though, and um, so crucial to our lives. Let's just say a quick word of prayer. We're so thankful, God, for your word and for each other, and how faith um, somehow through that. Uh, trust, that confidence, uh, that belief about the truth and uh, your revelation, how it has changed us in all the ways we've looked at and how we can exercise it in all these ways, how that's essential to its definition. We want to grow in that way and to lead others to that kind of confidence and peace and joy. And um, so please use us that way, Lord. And and as we help each other to do that. In Christ's name, amen.